Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Weekly Boost. And today, I'm excited to welcome Jody Clegg with Compass Real Estate. Now, before we jump in, one of the stats that I always like to share with people is that 87% of real estate agents quit after just two years. Jody's not only the number one agent in the city of Huntington Beach for the last two years, she has over 185 star reviews. And in her 24 years or so of experience in the industry, she's closed over one and a half billion in sales volume. Now that stat I shared with you at the beginning, as you know, that's no easy feat. So in this episode, we're going to jump into why Jody decided to begin a career in real estate. Was it as easy or as hard as she imagined? And the sort of things and mindset that she does to position herself as that number one agent and really build a career that has longevity. So let's jump in. Welcome to the Weekly Boost. My name is Ricardo Bueno, and I'm a 10-year veteran of the real estate industry. And this podcast is dedicated to taking an honest look at the reality of marketing and growing your real estate business. My guess is you want to close more deals, whether it's working with buyers or sellers. But it's not as easy as some people, like bullshit marketers, would have you believe. I spend my day consulting with some of the best agents in the industry, which basically means I have a front row seat to the behind the scenes of world-class marketing campaigns and listing strategies, and I'm here to unveil some of those strategies and tactics with you. Listen in as I share what's good in real estate and the world of marketing. Let's go. Before we jump into today's episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor. I know you're probably sick of hearing that you need a CRM, and trust me, I'm a little sick of telling you that you need one too. The trouble with most CRMs out there is that they're so tough to figure out. They're stuffed with so many bells and whistles that it feels more like a computer science project than a simple way to organize your contacts. And the truth is, CRMs are not supposed to be that complicated. That's why I love Follow-Up Boss. Not only is it easy to set up and get started, it integrates with all of your most important lead sources. You'll get instant access to pre-written drip campaigns and action plans, and features like SmartList help you take the guesswork out of who to call next, and so much more. So whether you're an experienced CRM pro looking for something more powerful, or even if you're just starting out and only have a handful of buyers or sellers to add to your database, Follow-Up Boss is worth taking a look at. To learn more, visit followupboss.com. If you start a free trial, email me and ask me about my custom drip campaigns designed to help you follow up like a boss. Let's jump in. Well, thank you. Thanks, Ricardo. Uh, thanks for having me too. It, and actually scary, but it's actually going on 23 years in real estate. So That's time awesome. flies, especially this year, right? I don't know. Why this year or... is so <laughs> confusing. Days feel like months and uh-huh. weeks feel like decades. I have no idea what's going on anymore. I know. And that's why I'm comfortably in my backyard for this call. <laughs> We've been at stay home, but for real estate, of course, we're out and about. We're essential. But we're home a lot more, even still, because we're generally not at offices. So. Yep. Do you like the change? You know what? I The first couple of weeks kind of shocked me because I so used to being out and about like every minute with like... It's a belly to belly business. Yes. And so just to, to not have that kind of activity for the first couple of weeks, I was a little bit shocked. <laughs> I, think I, I think I ate more than... than just like everybody talks about how much... <laughs> 
I went straight for my pantry. I'm like, what am I going to do? I get oh my gosh. Quarantine yeah. diet did not work well for us either. We did not know how to operate under that type of pressure. I know. <laughs> and, and so I was really happy when my phone started ringing again and I started making calls too. So once, once business started, it felt like it was not ever normal. It doesn't feel normal right. now, but it did pick up quite a bit. I mean, we're extremely busy right now. So well, you I read something in your, when I was doing research for this episode, I read something in your profile and it was, you said somewhere surfing is just like real estate. The waves are constantly changing and you're always navigating different conditions. Hmm. That tells me you're competitive and you know how to work well under pressure. You know what? I think both are pretty true. I I hate to say that I'm competitive, but then I also know I I really am. Although I, if we're playing a game, I don't mind if somebody wins. Right. You know, that's different. But I think still, I, I compete with myself. I think that's right. like I have, my expectations are really high of me. Right. So surfing is, is, even though I surf with friends and mostly women, we have kind of a little women tribe that we surf with, which is very cool, a female gang. <laughs> and that's really, really fun. But it is, a, it's very much, you know, you've got to keep your head in the game. You've got to, yep. you know, changes. We, we've surfed from little waves to very big, scary days, yep. and the conditions are always changing, so it does remind me a lot about just life in general and, right. and real estate. <laughs> you, know, you never know what's coming your way, and uh, so, no, I, I do think it, not only is it therapy, but it also gives me a, a quite a bit of confidence because yep. you are dealing with so many things here, and look at like this 2020. Talk about... I don't know that anybody was expecting this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, surfing's a great thing, but I think everybody should have a little bit of a or a lot bit of a therapy or something, some outlet that gives them that feeling and that sort of again, just I think kind of break away. I think know? we work in a high stress environment. I think I think we absolutely work in a high stress industry where we're dealing with rejection day in and day out. Right. So it's good to have an outlet. I play sports on weekends. I miss playing sports. Now I have a, a home gym and, and I'm going through that, but it's, if you have an outlet, even better because otherwise, uh, how do, what else do we do or what do we have left? You just have a big outlet soon. <laughs> I'm going to have a big outlet soon. Oh my gosh. First one on the way. Maybe on the way. I love it. I love it. That's going to happen any minute. So we better speed this up just in case, right? So, so, yeah. okay. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is 24 years now in the industry and over a billion, I think you said a billion and a half in sales volume. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I always tell agents or, or one of the stats that I hear out there, and, and this may be a little off skew a little bit, but 87% of real estate agents quit after just two years. I think a lot of people get into business thinking, oh, I'm going to start a real estate career because I'm going to make so much money. It's a quick way to make an easy buck. And that's <laughs> just not true. No. So, So I look at somebody like you and you've not only become and have been the face of Huntington Beach real estate. But again, you don't sell over a billion in sales volume by accident. No. <laughs> so I have two questions for you today. What's, what's your definition of success today? Because I know that means a lot to a lot of different people. And has that definition of success changed for you from when you first got started in real estate? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, one of the things you also asked, and don't let me forget, you talked about how people want to quit sometimes with oh, the yeah. first two years, right? Yep. And that's surprising because you're absolutely right. It's very difficult. I knew it was mm-hmm. going to be difficult getting into the business. And it definitely matched that and more. So I've <laughs> never thought this is an easy business. 
Never, ever. And if you're in the business for an easy business, you're in the wrong business. Unless if you're really just wanting to like dabble at it, that's different. Right. But to do a lot of business and to really make it your your job, your full-time job and a serious income, then you're working really hard. And even you're hoping that you're working really smart, <laughs> but you're always working hard. So that's just, there's no way to get around it. You just hopefully are working smarter and you are finding a balance. So what would I say about success would be really the balance of enjoying what you do still, finding Mm -hmm. enjoyment in what you do, I think is success alone. If you're really doing, when you think about the amount of hours you put into your job, it's bigger. This isn't a nine to five. This isn't a five day a week, nine to five at all. No. And the amount of time you spend at your job versus like with family, friends, or doing the things you might love to do or travel, it's such a significant part of your life that you really have to find a way to enjoy it, love what you do. It's not, an, it's not as easily done without finding balance though, on the other right. end too. So finding that balance, to me, the success is really enjoying what I do every day, loving what I do. And that doesn't mean that I love everything about what I do every day. <laughs> So that's not to be, you don't want to make it sound flowery. There's a lot of challenges in the day and and some things that are just like... Even just from transaction to transaction, I'm sure. Absolutely. And you never want to paint a flowery picture about that, that that's, there's real challenges every day. And there's days where I don't even want to do this anymore. (laughs) And I think about that for a little bit and then, but everyone does. That's natural. It's like when I tell when buyers worry about buying a home and they have buyer's remorse, I said, that means you're normal. That means you're normal. You know, so that's it's how normal it to have emotions. Mm-hmm. But the success part of it for me, I don't think that's changed tremendously as much as I've always wanted to have also a good life, really enjoying. And that really wasn't never was really a dollar amount. I never really had dollars on paper. I have to have this amount of money or had to have big things. Right. I wanted the ability to be able to spend time with my family, spend time with my friends, spend time doing things like surfing and traveling, and then still make a very good income and enjoy what I do. So that's my simple success formula. Everyone has a little different one. Right. But that's been, that's really never changed too much for me. Yeah. So if you could pick up the phone and talk to the younger version of yourself when you were just getting started, what advice would you give yourself? Oh, that's a great one. I would say really just to find that balance as quickly as you can and not take it too seriously. Yeah. I think that the hardest part about when you're a compassionate person, because most of us that do really well in real estate have a natural tendency to be compassionate, care about how you feel, care about that people are happy, care about that you're doing a great job. And so we're really hard on ourselves. So I think we also take because you because we think oh I could have done better I could have done this I could have mm-hmm. done that mm-hmm. I think so yes I mean in fact I know so so I would say to my younger version that I would have maybe made light a little bit more about things <laughs> laughed a little bit more about it and not taken it quite so personal right the more, the more you work through that you realize it's not personal rejection that people are going through their own things and it's easier to just move on with the it, next. It's easy to take a, mm-hmm. a listing that you lost to a competitor. It's easy to maybe take that very personal. And it's easy right. to take a, tra- a negative review that you got after a con- transaction that you know you did everything right. right. It's easy to take that personal too. And, and at the end of the day, sometimes mm-hmm. it's really not. 
it, it's really not. Yeah. And you hit it on the head. So I think that would be my biggest advice would be to just create some downtime for myself because you, you feel so compelled, especially if you're competitive and you're driven and you're focused and you want to help people. You don't know how to balance. Like, can I actually take time off? Mm-hmm. It's always, so I would have maybe done a little bit more of that. Just found a way. It wouldn't have been a lot, but just a little bit more and then found a way to laugh about it and not take it so seriously at times. So, yeah. So here's a question for you. When you mentioned that it was, maybe it wasn't as easy as you thought it would be, or, or you knew it was going to be hard. When you first got started, did you start as part of a team or did you go it solo? And what was your, I think that for any sales professional, I think really in any industry, well, I had early success, but it's because I had mentors and people that I looked up to. Yes. And when I see new agents starting today, it's always, I want to do it solo. I can do it solo because I want to make more money. I want to control everything. Uh And I think that often hurts people being too in control or wanting to be too, too much in control. Mm -hmm. What what was that like for you? And what advice do you have? Well, thank you for asking. And you know what? The business has changed so much over the last 23 to 24 years. Mm -hmm. So when I started, it really felt, this was, it feels like it was forever long ago, really. (laughs) Thomas Guides and, you know... Oh my gosh, I remember the Thomas Guides. Thomas Guides, the listings were in the office and we were on up desk calls. Like we would wait (laughs) to call in on the LA Times to register ads. So that's how I started. And so it was very old school. And a lot has happened in 24 years. And there really weren't teams at the time. There were a couple like husband and wife teams. I guess that was the only teams we really knew about back then were mostly partners. But... and. I didn't really see a team back then because that wasn't, right. it wasn't really the nature of our It wasn't business. a thing. It really wasn't. And also it was still, it, it hadn't grown to be this, I don't want to call it a monster, but the business has become, it's just like Amazon and Google. Oh, there's so many things. About, you know, yeah. 20 plus years ago, we never knew anything about it or would imagine that an online or digital ad would even exist. You right. know, we wouldn't have thought of that because it didn't exist back then. So I would would say, you would you say it was really face to face and and by referral? Absolutely, it was face to face. It was very face to face, and everything you did was in person, and every mm-hmm. offer was written by hand. And I mean, of course, it was there was a generated form, but you sure. know, everything everything was our notebooks were filled with notes, and we didn't have an online. We didn't have a CRM system. We right. didn't know what a CRM RM system was, but we did keep our clients in some form of a database from right. and that was always that's always really important but yeah again I was not part of a team I did have to muscle through it on my own I try to always work beside other people though that seem to have a lot more knowledge because everyone right. has a lot more knowledge than me <laughs> but I really picked out people that seem to do it very well and I always think that that's important and I had I from. had the opportunity to be on a team I would have had no problem doing that right. with the right team and the right dynamic where they right. A team like ours or others that I see, so we're not the only really great team out there. There's a number of great teams out there. And I think that that is an awesome opportunity now that didn't exist when I started. So would I have started on a team? I would have started on a team. I would have been happy (laughs) to learn and not go through two and three years of of kind of the battle you go through just to learn the business. And now it's even more difficult. So I could definitely see joining a team. Right. Mm -hmm. What was, when you were getting started, what was the if you had a pick, what was the one system or strategy that really helped your business sort of take off? 
one system, oh, I think it's quite a combination of systems. Your commitment to mm-hmm. work every day, despite having a lot that's of a, business. That's a victory in itself at that's times. That's already a big deal. People underestimate that. People say they're busy working every day, but to actually go out and really prospect, mm-hmm. find clients, I was willing to do that. I was willing to door knock. I was also willing to sell stationery when I was a kid. So it was a little easier for me to get to the door. Right. And I didn't have a real issue with that. And also picking up the phone to call people, that's already a big head start because most right. people don't want to do that. Yeah, there's a lot of call reluctance in our industry. Yes, yes. So I think the commitment to really work hard and I was committed, but also I was focused and I worked hard every day. And that was probably the biggest formula. Right. And then I naturally like people. So I was, I really enjoyed building relationships. And that was something that I realized I was pretty good at. So that, I, that, I, that's a, that recipe there will give you a huge head start or a huge lift. Mm-hmm. Being outgoing is one thing. I don't think you have to be like the most outgoing person, but I do think you have to be comfortable building relationships and meeting people, mm-hmm. even if it's one-on-one. I don't necessarily love to be in a group of a hundred people, by the way. So I'm not and this isn't even that, like, <laughs> I'm better at this, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but I never really wanted to even speak like that. Like, I like, I, but I like it because we're talking versus right. me doing it on my own. So I really do like the one on one relationship. So I think starting off, being willing to just build relationships, being able to pick up the phone, reach out to people you know, wherever you are, that was a big part of how I, I guess, organically more grew. Right. My business in a small area. Mm-hmm. So, so if you had a breakdown, maybe what your daily workflow might have looked like in the earlier days compared to now. So, I know some people they don't. I got started <laughs> ten years ago as a loan officer, and I remember ordering these big title reports and calling through the title reports to see who wanted a lower interest rate. Oh yeah. <laughs> and agents today, they call through expireds, and you do. You see a lot of agents who have call reluctance. So I always say to salespeople, everybody has their own superpower. Everybody has their own way of liking or wanting to do business or their own way of prospecting. Right. I I see some salespeople and they're absolute naturals on the phone and they want to try this other thing. And I'm like, no, no, no. Keep doing what you're doing because you're so good on the phone. Like, just keep doing that. Like, why try to undo Mm -hmm. or try something new when it's door knocking isn't for everybody? Mm Mm-hmm. So it's you find what works for you. It sounds like building relationships was was sort of a natural just thing for you. I know that that makes it easier to build a database. But speaking of building a database, have you always done that from day one? You're just a natural networker, and and you knew the importance of growing a database, or how did it? Well, and I've always been in sales, so I was in a sales job before I started in real estate, mm. which helped a little bit. But that's it's always what I wanted to do too. Is I never really wanted uh, to work with someone. And I don't yeah. mean work with someone as in different if you're on a team, maybe you're working with a team. So you're working for somebody in a sense. And I'm working under Compass. So I'm working in a sense for Compass a bit. Right. But what I mean is just the independence of actually kind of running your own schedule, your own business, right. like, what your own, like having no ceiling on what you can actually earn. Those kind of things really attracted me, not just... It wasn't really just financially. That was, oh, but a, they motivate you too. Component of it, though, it wasn't like money is no issue either. Right. It's to allow the means to do so many great things right. in life. So 
I just always really liked the the concept and the the actual truth to that you could you could build your own business in whatever business you're going to do. And then real estate was more natural because I've always loved real estate. And that was a natural transition. But building relationships is key. If you're going to be in any, any form of sales, no matter what form of sales you're in, and in a certain way, you're always selling in some sort of sales. I don't want to say you're selling something, but you're any sort of service. And this is really a service business, very much mm-hmm. so. I almost think of it more of service than I do selling. Yep. I feel like I'm providing a high level service to people and I'm very comfortable with that. I don't feel like I need to sell you anything. Right. I feel like I need to offer you a service of real information, education, yep. direction, some consulting, wisdom of what maybe I would do in that situation. So I'm comfortable in that environment. And I think people will naturally feel that you're, you're genuinely interested in helping them, not selling them something. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. I had a realtor once say to me that real estate is, isn't about selling houses. It's about selling people and convincing people to choose you as their agent. And the only way to do that is by having an empathetic ear, being of service and truly being helpful mm-hmm. and helping them navigate what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. And I think I, we all feel a little differently about that. I don't, I feel like at the point that I'm convincing, then maybe. I don't know that I want to convince anyone. That was mm-hmm. the only thing I would probably add to that for me. But everyone has a different perspective on that. A lot of what you said, though, is very much what I believe, too. Yeah. I just I feel like if you really shouldn't have to convince people, though, that you're their agent. You're either going to know they want to work with you or they don't. Right. And I want people to feel comfortable enough to say and to ask the question, like, Ricardo, would you like me to be right. to help you and represent you? And make sure it's a match too. And right. then not make it personal the way I used to, maybe when I started, if I wasn't <laughs> their choice, you know, like maybe they just didn't want me to and it's okay. But, right. mm-hmm. but it um, is very, very much a service. Mm-hmm. You, so you've been number one in Huntington Beach for, for a while now. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's certainly not an easy feat. What are some of the things that, you know, you started to do the, to build your brand uh, that have allowed you to stand out? and sort of grow in your well, market. This one's going to be a little corny, but oh, <laughs> sure. we'll get it. Hold on. I'll show you. Just hold on a second. I actually really did make these this morning for some of my clients, <laughs> but I make brownies. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Some are powdered sugar and some are frosted. I kind of mix it up. I'm a baker. Like that's kind of another little therapy thing I do, but, but I've baked. That's awesome. The, I know I've baked from the beginning from when I started being raised on the East Coast, right outside of Boston. Yeah. A big Italian family food. And oh my gosh, you couldn't enter my house without eating. It was <laughs> That's and, awesome. And the same thing holds true. If I go to your home, I cannot right. show up without bringing something. So I'm pretty much going to show up with something really, <laughs> no matter where I go. And oh so my I, gosh. Yeah. So when I started real estate, that was an easy, it wasn't even a question. It was like, of course, I'm going to bring something to my open houses. Right. Of course, I'm going to bring something when I go to meet people, because that's what I do. And It was instinctive for you. Mm -hmm. You weren't even thinking about it. So people will, over the years, they're always like, you're going to bring those brownies, right? (laughs) And they're safe. Don't worry. Um, Oh, gosh, that's awesome. So that, I mean, that's a little thing, but I think it was just, so what, 
I, going back to your question, some of the things, the branding, some of it just evolved over time. I always was, I, I do and still believe in giving to people. Right. So I've been a big part of the schools since day one, like Huntington Beach High School, the foundation, both the education foundation, the athletic departments. So you really are a part of the community. You don't just, you know, donate and whatnot. And I show up to a lot of the events because I really believe that being a part of it is you also are involved. You're not just like signing a check. Right. Or in this case, Venmoing and mailing (laughs) automatic. But, but I think that there it's been over time. Of course I have mailed. I've always mailed something that. Right. And, but again, this week coming up, we're doing the 4th of July flags over 2000 of them in the community that will. Oh, wow. Front lawns. We do pie pie certificates throughout the year a couple times. We do a lot right. of giving, not just like, oh, we sold this. So that's always been from the beginning. I, I really wanted to do that. So I think I delivered pumpkins from the first year I started. And oh, wow. Bags and very old school, but people like that still. I think the yep. thing that really hasn't changed in our business is that people still want that kind of old school, just hospitality. I, I know what you're talking about. And they do. The yeah. like attention to like that, that's still important. The warm and fuzzies, you know, right. that, that they matter and they're not just going to become digital ads. You know, <laughs> They're not just going to get an email from us anymore or a text message. So I do that. That brand has pretty much followed me from day one. And right. I don't think I've changed that one significantly at all. I've just probably grown on that. Because I do believe that people still inevitably want to feel cared for right? You know, through the process and doing extra little things for them make them feel like more special. And it is, it's gen- it's genuine on my part. Like I really want people to feel that way. Right. You know, it's been a big part of our brand. So I, I talk with a lot of realtors and one of the things I always say, or that realtors always say is I work by referral or I want to work more by referral. I want more referrals. Referrals are sort of a slam dunk as opposed to working online leads. They're, they're a contested three-point shot and you have to practice right. and work really hard at them. Past clients and referrals to me are low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. But when you look at, when you step back and you look at what systems do you have in place to take care of your past clients, to nurture them, to really have the relationship on the level that you have a relationship, it's like we don't put any thought and care into organizing what that system looks like. It sounds like you do a lot of that intuitively. But do you have a process for managing any of that? We do. And I can say that we can always, I mean, I feel like I can always improve on that. It's really mm. difficult for me to pick up the phone and call all my past clients. <laughs> of course. Really hard. And I try to go through times where I'm making that personal phone call. Right. Not just a text message and not just an email. Right. So you try to reach out when I can, but I, I can say that's not easy to do often, but I do it as much as I can. Right. And, um, but also, we obviously have them on mailers and, and emails, mm-hmm. and we do invite them to a lot of events. We do a lot of like local events. So there is a way to really stay in touch with them, too. And fortunately, right. my, I'm always out and about so much in the community that I do see so many of them, which helps a lot. That, I was going to say, that's it great. It really helps a lot. It does. But but I do believe that if you have a great follow-up system with, even if you only have 10 clients and you really nurture those 10 clients and they're like client friends or they're just clients, maybe you're lucky enough or they're lucky enough to become friends too, which has happened with a lot of my clients. Right. 
but that's not something you just bank on, right? Or that you would just expect to happen. Right. I think the more you take care of them and you stay in touch with them, absolutely, I would recommend that. Now, of course, we have CRM systems, but you don't Mm -hmm. want to make it so impersonal. So robotic. Yes. So I do think, I always do believe in, and I still help some of the new agents too that start, and I tell them, pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. People don't want to just get your text message. And that's something that will separate you especially in when you're younger and starting out because we've become such a, a text <laughs> social media only. And, you know, I did that. Well, I messaged them, a direct message them. And I don't know. I just think that still you could do all that, but pick up the phone and call them now and then and people will be, you'll have a much better relationship. It, it makes a world of difference. It really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you mentioned, you mentioned newer agents. How important is I know it's important to work a database, but for somebody that's just starting out, what what do you recommend for them? If you like, I I meet a lot of agents who are just starting out, and gosh, they don't know what to do, <laughs> and there's a sense of overwhelm. Do I buy leads? Where do I buy leads? Oh wow, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I do think that new agents are better, most likely. I don't want to say they could they only are going to do well if they join a team Mm. by no means, because you could definitely try to take this on, on your own. It's going to be a lot of work on your own and to really put in some serious time to prospect and prospecting is something you're going to have to be committed to for hours in a day. Really. And I feel like if you're a brand new agent, you've got to be willing to make 25 to 50 calls or knock on that many doors. Right that are legitimate, like voice-to-voice calls or face-to-face. So you put in your dues there in this market. Joining a team is going to be a lot quicker learn. Learn the business much faster. You get to learn from somebody who's really top-notch. Right. Already has, they know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You're really learning from the best of the best. And then they sometimes have, like in our case, we have great leads that come in. Right. For our open houses, it was crazy, but we still get a lot of leads online right now. Right. A lot of calls on our listing. So we have a lot of leads that we can share with the team. And then they have that leveraging that they're able to do too right. with the brand. Right. So that, I'm not trying to talk just about teams. I think if you're not on a team, you just really have to be willing to commit to a schedule of prospecting. Yeah. That's what you're having to do. There's really not a lot else, you know. You will you want to learn the the inventory. You, you have to learn the yeah, and you have to learn the mechanics of a transaction too. Oh, right, for sure that that part too. But I think some people get caught up in they know the contract really well, but they've spent no time prospecting. And you're right; you have to do a little mix of all that. <laughs> you're right. not really. You should know it so that if you're ready to write an offer, that you've already studied the whole RPA, what the purchase agreement looks like, what right. the counter offer looks like. So you should, and if you don't, then you better learn it really fast when somebody comes <laughs> to make an offer. But, and that's probably equally as, you know, of a good situation because if somebody really wants to, then you'll learn very quickly because you learn very fast when you, when you have to. Right. So learning inventory and knowing the market where you are is so key and being prepared. So few agents are prepared out there. Oh, yeah. There's a world of misinformation and I think it's easy to want to take shortcuts, mm-hmm. but that doesn't help 
grow you professionally and it doesn't help the client. Mm -mm. No, it really doesn't. So how do you keep your sort of spear sharp? How do you gather your knowledge? Where do you go? What resources do you sort of rely on? And then for me, I, I look at your business and you don't have this track record of success by accident. So I'm guessing every transaction for you is a learning opportunity and you've just built that over the years. How would I say that? I think I really try to keep the communication going strong between not just the team, but with other agents in the industry. Those relationships to me matter so much as mm -hmm. well because those are the relationships that will keep your business going because mm -hmm. they're the same really agent. I look at them as a client too on the other yeah. side of it. So I keep my, I would say I keep my skills as sharp as I can by staying abreast of what's going on. I am always following what's happening in the Orange County forecast, whether I'm listening to some of the, um, there's some, whether it's on Facebook and they're, they're talking about all the data that's happening yeah. now. I, I always try to stay abreast of that. I'm always looking on the multiple listing every single day to also look at the data. I'm looking at coming soons. I'm talking with the other agents to know what's happening. I'm on a lot of calls. I am on. I do have a coaching uh, call regularly, as well as being on sort of a team that we share as well. Kind of a mastermind team. We collaborate. I've always been a part of a mastermind team yeah. for a number of years now. Really, for at least fifteen. Oh wow, so, that's awesome. So I really do try to keep my mind open too to well, what's now happening, and not that you want to reinvent the wheel or start something that's not like really that you're not really good at, right? right. You're not great at something. And then all of a sudden, Oh, I think I'm going to give that a try. But you do want to, it's just like no one knew what zoom calls were right. And, <laughs> and if we were just waiting around to, for our offices to open before right. we were doing real estate again, we would not be doing any business or very right. little. Business. So being open to what is happening now and what, how do we have to shift or pivot is yep. really important. So that I've always kept that mindset. And I believe it's a really important one to have because you can't stay static yep. or immobile. You have to keep moving. Mm -hmm. has, has the mastermind and, and the coaching, have those been super helpful in terms of how you approach your negotiations or conversations with clients? Or do you do a lot of role playing too? A little bit. I would say a little bit of that. And then sometimes a lot of that, like, I'm one of the people who, who could show up to an event and mm -hmm. just get something out of it no matter what, where some agents would be next to me. They're like, oh, that was a waste of time. And I'm <laughs> like, well, I think every, like, I'm willing to listen to almost anyone's point of view as long as, like, they're really established in what they've done or right. they have some credibility, of course. I want to, I don't want to, it's not that I wouldn't, I'm open eared though, to somebody brand new in the business too, that might right. also have a totally different perspective on the business and, and an, a great idea. So it's not like you have to be super accomplished for me to be interested to hear your right. either. I think just really being willing to listen to others, listen to better ways or consider ways of improving my communication. I love that. Yeah. I want that. So I constantly am listening to those kinds of things, I would say daily. And if I didn't listen to something today, I'll probably be listening to something tomorrow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or sharing in some capacity on a panel, which I like to do too. Yeah. Are you going to change? Has anything changed about 
well, yes, a lot has changed, but has anything really changed in terms of the way you're going to do business going out of this? I think, you know, it's funny. It seems like it's changing every day. <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't even know how to answer that. I feel like, you know, you just have to be really open and almost like flexible. Like your knees are a little bit bent, like that, <laughs> where you're, you know, the like the waves are getting bigger and you better bend your knees so you can get like up and over them. Because and you're like, come on, come on, what's next? What's next? You have to be flexible yeah. and really like willing to adjust and adapt. And I think the more adaptable we are, we hear that a lot, and it's certainly true. Certainly true. Mm-hmm. If you're so stuck in your ways that tomorrow they have a new rule, and you're like, that throws you off too. Well, and you're just com- yeah, and you're just complaining about it instead of moving yeah. forward. Yeah. So I think we're going to sell more homes with our, our videos. Sure. We're going to have more virtual open houses. Sure. We're going to have more rules. We could find out that we have to, we could find out a lot of things and we could be back on stay home again in a way that they don't want us to even be on the beach. Who knows? (laughs) So things can happen. But I think if you're always looking for the best solutions, then you'll survive. You'll survive and thrive. You know, it isn't just about surviving. You want to thrive, right? Right. People are thriving in this, not taking advantage of, I don't feel like I'm taking advantage of anyone here. I just feel like I'm really looking at the right solutions for the business and for my clients. And if you're doing that, then other things can keep coming your way and it could become very challenging. No question. But you, you want to stay open to solutions. Yeah. And right now, yes, it's changing. It's always, it's, it's hard. I, I had somebody say, a friend of mine is uh, house hunting online, and he said, we've been looking for a new house, and I'm impressed with how listings have improved. Uh-huh. Most of them have high-res drone aerial photos. Many uh-huh. have a Matterport dollhouse view. They have 360-degree VR virtual walkthroughs. Those are super common now. And all the other Google Maps stuff like Street View and Neighborhood Stats. That's so true. And it's interesting that you say that because... Prior to really the stay home right. and the whole virus thing, really, I felt like we were already a little bit ahead of the game because we were already doing such great so many of those things video grown, and so we weren't having to. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do now? But I agree with you. Some of that is really picked up, and and there's more online views than ever before because people are yep. <laughs> they're looking online. So the quality and the, the quality level has picked up a lot, which is great. That's great. As a as an industry, you want to see that bar raised. Right. I don't want just our bar raised. I'd love the community, the whole community yeah. to raise their bar. So that's it's great to see. So I think that's a great a great positive out of it. So uh Jody, I'll end us with one last question. And okay. you know, hopefully this is super helpful, but where do you see a lot of people spending a lot of time with little to no ROI? That's a great question. I like would if, say, mm-hmm. and I have to think about that. And I'm glad you asked that. I have a few things that I would, that come to mind right away is I see a lot of people and I see a lot of agents spinning their wheels. Sometimes they get so caught up in something they're going to do to build their business, whether it's, and it could even be just social media. They're spending Mm -hmm. so much time on that. And maybe they're not getting business from that yet, because really you have to start doing business to really, there's a snowball effect with, with any business and especially real estate. You want to build that. Right. So spend the time to really build real relationships and spend the time to also help clients that really want your help 
where I see people spin their wheel a lot, and I'll ask some of the agents on our team too, do you know that that buyer is going to buy? Did they get pre-approved? What, mm-hmm. can you tell me what, how the conversation is going with them because they're spending a whole lot of time with somebody that may never buy. Right. And I think so many agents waste their time with buyers or sellers that aren't even committed to them. That would probably be the number one thing I see people do. They haven't really even asked the question, Ricardo, when you're ready to buy, am I your agent? Undoubtedly, (laughs) you know, should I assume that I'm your agent? And you really have to ask that question. Right. So I do see people spend a lot of time with clients that aren't their clients. They never really ask them the question. What are some of those red flags to you? Like if you're, if you're able to spot them in a consumer, I'll, I'll give you an example. One of my agents, mm-hmm. one of my brokers tells her agents to use the following phrase, hey, when they're working with buyers, hey, we're, as a buyer's agent, we don't get paid until you're comfortably in your new home. So we're going to spend a lot of time to go and take you out to preview properties. And a lot of that we're doing for free and we're not forcing you to sign a, a buyer's agency contract. So... Can I count on you that when you're ready to buy a home, you're going you're gonna to use us? Can I count on you not to wait till the last minute? Like, What sort of phrases do you use or questions do you ask to really gauge somebody's motivation and interest level, I guess is the question. Yeah, those are great questions. If I were to start right now in this business, I would start concentrating on a buyer broker agreement more so. Mm-hmm. I could do that for a little period of time. Then I found out that I... I felt a little bit more comfortably doing that verbally with people, but I still think that as a newer agent, if you could really focus on what that buyer agreement is and have them commit to it for even a short period of time, right. you would really be vetting them out better too, that they're committed to working with you. And especially when you explain to them what you would be doing to help them, because you're going to be putting in a lot of time. You're going to be networking with all the other agents in a community you're going to be calling, you're going to be not just spending time on the multiple listing, you're going to be doing a lot of things special for them. They're not even paying you for that. You're just asking the commitment that when you're calling and you're getting them in the door on these properties, that they're your, that you're their representing agent. And they've chosen you to be their buyer's agent. If they really say, "Mm, I don't feel good about that, that's (laughs) a big red flag. So I actually have really started to think about the buyer buyer broker agreement more seriously again for agents that it wouldn't hurt for me, but it wouldn't be as necessary for right. me. It would be for agents that haven't been doing a lot of business and don't already have that really right. strong relationship Right. So that you're not spinning your wheels and that they, that they know. And really you, there are ways to explain. I mean, I could get into a whole just session on just how you can explain the benefits of why they're working with you. Right. They really want that representation and what that kind of commitment that you're going to give to them. And since they aren't paying you, they should be very comfortable hiring you for the next three to six months to be their buyer's agent. Right. You have an out clause. If you're not happy in the next 60 to 90 days, da, 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 sure, we can both mutually end this if we need to, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Right. I think what they find too is those buyers are in escrow generally within 30 to 45 days with that agreement. That's so awesome. I think some form of that agreement, if you could have them sign it, it would be great. If you can't have them sign it, I think there's, I would really go through the, the real serious talk about that they're committed to working with you under all circumstances. They're going to share that if they see a property that you're not aware of, 
that they're going to let you know about it and that you'll be doing all the other work and let them know what that other work is. They trust you. They're going to be, you're going to be looking at the numbers. What is that home value? What are the things that they might not have thought about related to the location, related to, is there an oil well? Is there all sorts of other things that they may want to consider related to the property, right? Right. And so you could definitely encourage them to really look at all the benefits of why they're working with you. It isn't just really writing an offer. I think that they underestimate a lot of times, even as a buyer's agent, you undervalue yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think just understanding what your true value is, write down what you're going to do for these people, write it down and share it. And I think you'll understand why your value is so important. You're going to be putting in a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of energy, taking time away from the things you also love to do and maybe love to do more, your family or other things for fun. So I wouldn't underestimate that. Awesome. Well, Jody, thank you so, so very much for taking some time with us today. You're a wealth of knowledge. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Ricardo. It's great. Where can we find you online? Uh, at com. Pretty easy. Or Jody at jodyclegg.com. You can email me. And awesome. you can, well, it's pretty easy. You'll find my phone number at 714 <laughs> But again, jodyclegg.com, you'll find me there. And you can message me or call me if you have a question. I'm going to send you my address for some of those brownies. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, if you're ever this way, another <laughs> part. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Weekly Boost. If you got value out of this episode, do me a favor. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe and leave a review so we can reach more people and change more lives with this content. Oh, and one more thing. Do you want to know how effective your online marketing strategy is? In order to succeed in real estate, you need to learn how to market yourself well. Find out how your marketing strategy stacks up against the competition by visiting ricardobueno.com forward slash audit. Answer a few simple questions and get an instant audio course on how to level up your marketing today. Again, that's ricardobueno.com forward slash A-U-D-I-T. See you next time. Thank you.